Hello and welcome to the Victorian Gas Lamp, the podcast shining a warm light on the 19th century and most notably throughout the reign of Her Majesty Queen Victoria. Episode 25, Stuck On You. Last episode was a pretty dark episode, so I wanted to go with something lighter this time around. As a boy, I got into collecting stamps. I don't do it anymore, but I've still got the albums around here somewhere. I guess as a kid, stamps can be a physical representation of far-off places all around the world. They can have strange people that you know are important but you've never heard of, exotic animals, and weird currencies on them. Some are in sets that you want the collection of, and some might be from a favourite place that you one day dream of visiting, and others just have artwork that you enjoy. And to clarify at this point, stamp collecting is one thing, but it is philately that is the study of stamps. Prior to the 1800s, there had been some forms of paid postal services. As early as 1680, William Dockra created the Penny Post in London, whereby packages could be delivered around the city for, you guessed it, a penny. The item to be sent was hand-stamped on the package to denote payment, a process that was called franking. Many consider this as the first genuine postage stamp, but it wasn't until this podcast's era of choice that the idea of a separate item attached to the package became a thing. Scottish politician Robert Wallace was an advocate of reform in voting rights and also postal service reform. I couldn't find a reason why postal reform was such a bee in his bonnet, but it was, and he was passionate about it. So much so that in 1836, when a royal commission was created to investigate the possibilities of a standardised postal service throughout the realm, Parliament turned to Robert Wallace to head said commission. But why was Parliament even looking into this? Well, because the world they lived in was changing. The kingdom was becoming an industrialised nation with businesses that were scattered all over the world and also all over the country. John Ramsay McCulloch, another Scot, was an early proponent of reform of the Postal Service. In 1833, he stated that, quote nothing contributes more to facilitate commerce than the safe, speedy and cheap conveyance of letters. McCulloch and others like him saw the existing postal service as being a tool of the privileged and rich, and also as something that was an incredibly powerful tool for all the people to make use of. In the 1800s, people did need to communicate more, and while much of it was related to mercantile issues, with the advent of rail and other forms of fast and easy transport, people were moving about more. And just like today in our social media, they wanted to talk to each other. English teacher Roland Hill had already been looking into what was possible for postal reform. He wanted to set up a system whereby a standard fee could be paid and a letter posted any distance. He was a firm believer in making the post cheap and easy for anyone to use, and the profits would come not by charging a few people expensively, 
but rather lots of people paying a little. This was also an amazing and subtle way to enact social reform as well. Making postal services readily available to all economic classes was a positive step towards greater equality for everyone throughout the kingdom. And so it was in 1837 that Robert Wallace, as a member of the Royal Commission, cast the deciding vote that saw them supporting Rowland's ideas of a penny post. And this was the name, of course, given to Rowland's idea that it would cost a penny to have a letter delivered over any distance. So it was in January of 1840 that the Uniform Penny Post was established. One penny to deliver a letter from the post office and two penny to pick it up from your place and then deliver it. And it was in May of that year that the world's first postage stamp was created. The Penny Black, probably the world's most famous stamp, and certainly now one of the rarest, became the way to ensure that your letter was paid for and would be delivered. Now, once the stamp had been affixed to a letter and it could be delivered, a mark would be put on it, effectively cancelling it, so that it could not be used again. But with the penny black being, well, black, that meant the cancellation stamp wasn't that visible. So, the stamp of the realm was changed to a dark red colour, and what became known as the Penny Red continued for decades. The other stamp that was created shortly after the Penny Black was what was known as the Two Penny Blue. From May until August of 1840, nearly six and a half million of the blues were printed. When the inks were improved for a second edition blue that was created in 1841 and distinguished it from the first edition, this one had small white lines at the top and the bottom of the picture of Queen Victoria. It was in 1847 that they added embossing to stamps to give them that extra texture, and then later in 1854 that they added the perforations to the stamps making it easier to separate them. Up until that time, it had been a laborious process of manually cutting the sheets of stamps. But with the invention created by Irishman Henry Archer and bought by the UK government for the huge sum of £4,000, we arrived at having the edging that we know on stamps today. Henry did well there. That's about half a million pounds in today's money. So did this new penny post system work? Well, yes, yes it did. Roland Hill had designed a system that was easy to understand and even easier to use. In 1839, around 76 million letters were sent around the kingdom. And thanks to this new penny post system, a year later saw more than 169 million letters delivered. This postal service helped define an era so many messages, communications, and personal letters being delivered all over the realm. By the end of the Victorian era, 419 million postcards were being sent annually. These weren't the photo cards that we know of today. Back then, a postcard was defined as a letter sent on a piece of harder cardboard without the use of an envelope. They were cheaper to send than a letter, and the classic postcard that we know of today didn't come about until 1894. That's as close as you got to Instagram back in the day, kiddies. 
and by 1901, 2.3 billion letters were being sent each year. Back in episode 21, I spoke about Isambard Kingdom Brunel and his amazing accomplishments, one of which was the Great Western Rail and Steamship combination that travelled from London and across the Atlantic Ocean to America. And it was this route that was used to send letters and mail across from the Kingdom to the American States. The classic pillar box, post box, that we drop our mail into today was first trialled and set up on one of the largest of the Channel Islands, Jersey, in 1852, and then the first one was in London in 1855. But what about that humble little lickable sticker in the corner that made this all possible? Well, even the humble postage stamp has to have some historical controversy. In 1881, another Scot by the name of Patrick Chalmers wrote a book called The Penny Postage Scheme of 1837. In said book, he claimed that it was actually his father, James Chalmers, that had advocated for a postage stamp as far back as 1834. However, he couldn't provide any evidence of this, and up until his death in 1891, Patrick continued to campaign for his father's recognition as the man who invented the postage stamp. There was some evidence found independently of Patrick's research that might do something to help his claim that his father had invented the postage stamp. An 800-word essay was received by the post office in February of 1838, written by his father James, and it showed a proposal of adhesive stamps as an effective method of charging for postage. However, his proposal does make use of the exact same denominations that Roland Hill was proposing, and it's believed that he may have read about Hill's proposal, which had come out the year before in 1837. Given that no one else in the world had stamps at all, the United Kingdom didn't even put the name of the country on them, instead choosing to be identified by their monarch being pictured on the stamp. To this day, the UK remains the only country in the world to have their stamps identified this way. Now, from there, it was only a matter of time before the practicality of stamps were seen and then adopted by other countries around the world. But what of those early stamps? Can you still find them today? Well, as of 2019, if you are in possession of a penny black, it could be worth upwards of £45,000. And if you have one of the penny blues, well, you're looking at around about £10,000. They are rarer, but they just don't have that prestige of being the first stamp in the world. As for the penny red, well, they were produced for decades, and so many examples exist, and you can pick one up for less than £10. But in 1863, using plate 77 to print the stamps, a mistake was made and the quality of the stamps meant that they were pulled from circulation. However, a few made it out into the world. Four in mint condition and five used still exist. 
That's just nine penny reds from 1863 being in existence. And in 2012, one was actually sold for 550,000 pounds. It's about 700,000 US. Rare always makes something expensive, but in the world of stamps, if there's a mistake or an error, that just adds to the value. And what is the most expensive stamp in the world, I hear you ask? Well, it's unique. Only a few were made by the postmaster of the colony of British Guyana in 1856 to tide over the population while they were waiting for the official stamps to be delivered from the United Kingdom. On the front of the stamp, it says one cent. But if you were the mystery buyer that bought it in 2014 at Sotheby's in New York, well, you, my friend, paid nearly 9.5 million US dollars. Might be time to go check your collection for when you're a kid then, do you think? <laughs> so here end of the episode. You can find me at victoriangaslab.com. My contact details are on there as well. If you could follow me on Twitter, that'd be great, at Vic Gaslamp, and more importantly on Instagram, where I post history facts and trivia as well as photos related to the episodes, and I'm Victorian Gaslamp there as well. The next episode will be out in two weeks, so keep a lookout for that, and I'll see you next time under the Gaslamp. <laughs>